Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wanna do bad things. That's real, yo. Anything's real at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is just something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff say. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? What? English, mother. Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 419 of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Ryan McCallum, and with me, as always, uh, after a long layoff, December 2nd was the last time we posted the show, uh, it's Mr. Jose Grijalva. Jose, welcome back after almost two weeks off. Yeah, a lot has changed in those two weeks. I changed my uh, workout routine. Now I do legs three times a day heavy. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So right now I'm absolutely dead. I'm so, I'm just I'm gone. So you're built like a, a triangle, right? Just huge legs, or and then that's it. Uh, I try to work the the glutes, the quads, hammies, calves, you know, and everything else up top is just you know I I move them around. It it's not that important. Did you ever watch American Gladiators? Of course you did. Of course I did. There's a uh, a place up here, you know, CrossFit gym called Camp Gladiator, and it's Camp Gladiator because it's a woman who owns it. Used to be one of the American Gladiators, and I can't remember who she was, but uh, it's a pretty big gym here. Uh, uh, you know, playing off of that name, you belong on American Gladiators. I thought you were gonna say that. I thought you were gonna say that you've gone to that gym and then you guys work out with those sticks that they used to uh, fight with. You know, <laughs> the, the pugilist, uh, pugilism is that what it is? The ones that look two little uh, like Q-tips that they hit. I think it's yeah. a pugilist, pugilist stick. It's something like that. That'd be awesome. I feel like I would kill it on uh, a show like that or American Ninja Warrior, but I'm, I think I'm a little too tall <laughs> for American Ninja Warrior. I, I'd hit the water. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd scrape the water. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen that. You've never seen American Ninja Warrior? I don't think I have. I know it's spending the, your holiday break on now. It, it, that's not the – is that the um, – uh, uh, It's like an obstacle uh, course. But is, is that the Asian show, the Chinese show? 
No, with, with the bad the lip reading. No, that's you know which one, one I'm talking about, though, right? I, I do, I do. Uh, that is um, Wipeout or something like that. You know, it's it's the American take of Wipeout. Oh, okay. I think it's the one that's kind of goofy, where they're they're spinning around on. I'd, I'd do great at that too. Obstacle courses, I could kill it at. But American Ninja Warrior, I think I'd scrape the water too much. Because uh, they have a what are we even talking about, man? Get off of this topic. Tim Duncan got his number retired last night. Um, obviously, big news around San Antonio. Number one story on NBA.com, as it should be. Uh, you know, not really goodbye to one of the legends, but name is in the rafters now, uh, where we knew it always be, belonged. Uh, but we're we're going to talk a little bit about that retirement ceremony and what Tim Duncan meant to the team and, and all of those kind of warm and fuzzy things. But the business at hand is we're a little more than a quarter through with the season. Last night, um, the, the Spurs came off 113 over uh, to 100 win over the Pelicans, which is not surprising. They're going to enjoy that win before they head to Houston on the 20th, which will be Tuesday, for, and they're going to take on the Red Hot Rockets. Rockets have won 10 in a row. So despite the Spurs doing really well so far for the, the year, they're not running away with the division, uh, and they're not running away with the West. Um, they're about a game and a half behind Golden State, but they're not too far ahead of several other teams that are that are right on their heels. Um, Jose, just initial takes before we even talk stats and that kind of thing. What do you think? A quarter through the season, do we think – that uh, the Spurs are where we thought they would be? Uh, are you talking about record-wise or chemistry-wise? Uh, or record, both? Yeah, let's go with both. But, I mean, record-wise, what's your what's your first take on that? Uh, record-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised record-wise just because, you know, replacing Tim Duncan and what he would bring to the team. Uh, if you remember that Mike Monroe interview that, that uh, he graciously did for us, and hopefully we have him back. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's hearing this. But anyways, I, I needed a name. Uh, drop a name you know name drop uh i just thought the chemistry would have been a little off especially with that center position because even when there was a new center duncan would still command the paint you know when rosho came in and d rob uh, retired duncan if rosho messed up somewhere duncan had his back mm-hmm. and you really don't, didn't have that this season because aldridge isn't that guy and then it was really his second year this year uh and before i forget I, i'd like to apologize for those uh, hearing us i have a allergy cold something in my throat uh, so in case I sound weird, but um, I, 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 I'm surprised. I thought they were going to be maybe uh, maybe 18, 17, 16, 15 wins, you know, may, maybe struggling at, at this point, but then getting better. But record wise, I'm, I'm happy that, that they're where they're at. Uh, chemistry wise, uh, who, who did they play be, uh, on TV before? Uh, on ESPN. Was it Boston? Uh, yeah, it was on ESPN. Yeah, I think was it was it, it wasn't Phoenix. It was oh yeah. Boston. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I forgot who said, but they, they said that the Spurs barely ran their first complete practice that week. Mm-hmm. So hearing that, uh, I mean, I, I'm more enthusiastic, especially with. I mean, they're struggling, but I mean, they haven't even had a full practice before that. So um, you know, I think the only thing for the Spurs is to build and and build on it. I think. You know, it's scary that they can be- get that much better, especially the bench. I mean, the bench is working and, you know, giving them an enormous boost. The, the the starters are struggling, but they're not struggling too much. Uh, but again, they could get over that hump. So I'm I'm completely optimistic from, you know, from record wise and chemistry wise, especially uh, that they can build on that. I think I'm in the same boat as you, which is not surprising. I, I'm I'm surprised and very happy that they're uh, 22 and five. 
they, from a chemistry perspective, I thought they would be way worse for the reasons that's, that you mentioned. And they have they fit several new pieces in, and, and players that weren't getting a lot of minutes are suddenly getting a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, reference even David Lee's at 17.4 minutes. A sneaky 17 minutes a game David Lee is getting in, in the rotation. You see guys like Kyle Anderson out there. Um, you see this just this odd mix, and I thought there's there's no way that they can keep the same pace that they did uh, of last year, but they're 22 and five overall. That's good for the second best record in all of the NBA, uh, which is you know not surprising. Golden State's in front of them, and then you got San Antonio, and then Cleveland, and, and a couple of other teams that are right on their heels. Um, but uh, but a pretty solid start to the season, even a better December. And you said that they're only getting better and they're they're gelling. Uh, and that there's there's only room for improvement. Well, they certainly have stepped up. You know, they they took a uh, in October those couple of games. They they were out to a fast start, and then um, in November they dropped off quite a bit in their in their pacing, down to about 100 points a game. You know, this December they're at 107.3 points per game, shooting just about 50 percent for the field, which is their highest field goal percentage so far this year. So that tells me that they're getting the open shot. Their assist numbers are up. Uh, it, they're, they're passing up the good shot for the great shot. I'm not saying it's quite the beautiful game like we saw a couple of years ago, but they seem to be working in some kind of offense that you can't really place because it's just so odd without Tim Duncan there. But you know how they used to just stop him right there at the top of the key and swing the ball. You still see a bit of that going, but there's a little bit more. Um, I know I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but you see the stars like Kawhi is getting a little bit more of the iso ball, getting his, his freedom to move. And then when it's not a set play for Kawhi, it's this rotation, you know, um, comes in and the ball starts swinging. And, and that's working for them. In December, they stepped it up uh, almost 108 points a game. So what do you think about the Spurs' offense so far? Uh, offensively, I think it's one-dimensional. But again, for those reasons that uh, we stated, you know, you can't put too much emphasis on Pau Gasol. Mm-hmm. I think Pau has to get comfortable uh really with those guys you know and again he does a lot of things but again he's not too comfortable uh as far as where he should be uh for an example uh when they played phoenix uh there was a possession in i think it was in the second quarter uh Jonathan Simmons drove in and they stole the ball from him and Powell was in the paint. LaMarcus was in the paint. They had, you know, they double teamed uh, Simmons. So again, everybody was in the paint. Powell was just, uh, he didn't really know what to do. Next possession, uh, they kind of, uh, they went through the same play, but with Kawhi, Patty was in the corner. Patty moved so they wouldn't double. Now Gasol's at the three-point line. Not really where he's supposed to be uh, because the Spurs really want somebody in the wing and then somebody uh, uh, up top and then somebody on the other wing, you know, really three shooters out there. So then they can move the ball and maybe uh, give it to Aldridge on a po- on a quick post up. But I mean, it's it's little things like that. He'll get he'll get used to it. Uh, one of the things that have has really encouraged me, and I, you mentioned him earlier, David Lee. Uh, really on both ends on the floor, the guy just moves on offense. He's mm-hmm. if he would be a little bit taller and a bit a little bit longer, he would be exactly what Tiago Splitter used to bring to the Spurs uh, off the ball screens, just moving around, passing. And if you notice this on the defensive end, he's talking to people. Yeah. You know, when when, when he gets back, <clears throat> excuse me, when he gets back, I mean, he's yelling at somebody that, you know, so-and-so is cutting or go cover that, so, that, that person. Uh, that, that's why I wasn't surprised that Pop started him when Aldridge sat because, I mean, he's really – what the Spurs need in a sense, but again, they can't really put him in uh, into the starting lineup unless you bench Gasol or you bench Aldridge. But, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise. I, I'm, I'm really glad that the Spurs picked him up. Well, uh, let's talk about 
surprises. And you, you, you talk about David Lee. I get that. Um, he's overperforming, I'd say, uh, from what the Spurs expect him to be. If you, if you think about it, he's kind of feeling what David West was supposed to do last year. Now David Lee is doing that. Uh, and, and getting rewarded with you know 17, almost 18 minutes a game. So he's my standout surprise so far. A disappointment uh, for me this far in the season, I'm thinking it's LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, if you look at points, you've got Kawhi Leonard leading the way, which we knew was going to happen at 24 points a game. And then you've got LaMarcus at 16 points a game. And from a rebound perspective, you've got Pau Gasol at almost eight rebounds a game, and you've got LaMarcus at almost seven. So he's two in both of the, the I, I would say, the top categories. But are, are those, is that superstar status, 16 points a game, 16 and seven? Is that what we were th- – I don't know what LaMarcus' career numbers are. Maybe we should have that looked up if we had a producer on the show that could do that for us. Uh, you know, 16 and seven, That I, I, for me, that's not getting it done. Yeah, but I mean – it's very difficult at this point, like uh, uh, bringing up the point that they've only had one full practice or t- since then. They probably had a one or two since then. Uh, it, it's very difficult, and especially you see the, the the starters really just timid. You know, they give it to Kawhi. Kawhi, go do your thing, and Daniel move around and try to get open somehow. You don't really see off the ball screens. You don't see guys moving around. Powell's just standing there because he knows he can stretch the floor. So, I mean, it's really basic offense for those starters. Uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks, Pop can get them, uh, you know, uh, maybe Pop can have, you know, uh, Gasol and, and Aldridge on the strong side of the ball. And on the weak side, maybe you can have Aldridge set up a uh, set a pick for Green and then he could cut to the basket uh, while Danny's, you know, trying to get open at the three, something like that. You know, have action on, on both ends. But I, I really put that on the fact that they haven't had a full practice. I think they'll get more used to it. Uh, but he hasn't been disappointed. But I don't blame him because with, with the, the, the thing about that is Kawhi is so versatile. He can post up. He can take him off the dribble. He can shoot. Powell can really... Uh, do the same thing at that five position. Aldridge is really just a post a player, a pick and pop player. Uh, he looks really good when he's making those shots up, picking and popping uh, next to Parker. But other than that, the offense hasn't gone through him. So uh, maybe in the next coming weeks, Pop can come up with some plays uh, that will really expose the defenses and help really elevate uh, what, what uh, LaMarcus Aldridge can bring on the offensive end. You know, another guy who is a you know stepping up his game this year is Patty Mills. And I, even I wonder Patty, why. Yeah. <laughs> and I even hear Patty Mills reference as, you know, in the six man for the year running, which would be fantastic. I think he's got a real shot. But you look at his minutes per game. First career is a 16 minute per game guy. He's almost at, at 23 minutes. I think he's at 23 minutes so far uh, averaging this year. And we'll let you say why. Um, but points per game, he's, he's got four more points per game than he's, he's used to. Uh, he's got nearly a, an assist and a half at three and a half assists. Uh, more than he has over his over the, the life of his career, Patty Mills is really stepping up his game. And uh, you know, I threw you a softball there. Tell me why? Oh, because it's going to be a free agent. Of course, I think he's playing a little bit harder, a little bit smarter, a little bit better. Uh, he's shooting, you know, the same way that he can shoot. He's. Uh, I, I really think he's worked on his point guard skills, even though he's not really a point guard. Right. Uh, I think he he handles the ball better. He carries on with the offense a little bit better. He finishes around the rim a little bit better. But, you know, I, I really think that's really what's pushing him. And, I mean, if you win six man of the year, where is that going to put the Spurs? Do you re-sign Patty? Uh, do you give him a longer-term contract and, or do you let him go? I mean, 
mean, it, it's re- I, I think they're going to be in that Speedy Claxton situation in 2003 where uh, really, you know, if they let him go, it's because he asked for too much money. But, I mean, he's doing well. So, I mean, he's one of the reasons why the Spurs bench is who they are. Uh, they have him shooting and defending, and they have Ginobili doing, you know, spot-up shooting. Jonathan Simmons bringing the juice, as Paul Garcia says. Uh, you know, David Lee. I mean, these are all energetic guys that are bringing really energy and all moving around and doing different things. So, um, But that, that's really, I think, the main reason why he's playing a little bit harder uh, than usual. He, he really wants that payday, and who, and who can blame him? Who's taking DeJounte Murray's future minutes here? Is it Patty Mills? Is it Tony Parker? Uh, are, are you asking me about next year? Um, yeah, because the development of DeJounte Murray presumes that, and, and the fact that they're banking on him for the future, um, presumes that one of those guys is out of here. Uh, well, let, let me tell you what I would do. If he was, if you want him to get minutes, uh, I would seriously, you know, get him, uh, somebody to help him gain weight and, yeah. you know, muscle, uh, and put him at that two position, sort of like what they wanted to do with George Hill. And then, uh, you know, uh, man, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, th- then you, if you could, you could let Patty Mills go and then keep the RG La Pravatola. And I mean, he could come off the bench or he could start and then Parker and Murray can come off the bench. That'll really give you a dimension offensively and defensively of uh, a long, quick guard on both ends of the floor. And then, uh, you know, Parker can sort of uh, pick up some, you know, uh, manage the offense a few possessions. He can manage the offense a few possessions. possessions. But really, I mean, if you want him to get minutes, you got to let Patty go, I think. And then that leaves really room because I don't think Manu will be here next year. Uh, so he could really take that six man role. And, and next to Jonathan Simmons, uh, you know, that, that would be a crazy uh, defensive lineup also coming off the bench uh, next season. So out of the, the familiar faces, your Tony's, your Manu's, your Danny Green's, of course, Kawhi, LaMarcus, um, where does that leave that next wave? I mean, you're sort of intimating it there that DeJounte Murray's going to be part of that next wave, perhaps next year. But the, you've got guys like Bertans, who's playing in a lot of games, played 22 games for these guys so far. And, of course, you know, um, your guy, not my guy, Kyle Anderson, um, is uh, is at 20, you know, killing everybody with a bag of nothing. 24 uh, games so far this year, two and a half points a game. Is the evolution of Kyle Anderson over, <laughs> and is is this right where he's going to be? And do you think that he is a part of the? I, I'm asking like 15 questions here. <laughs> do you think Kyle Anderson's a part of this thing moving forward? And what do you think about the maturation of that next wave of Spurs? Uh, you know, just thinking about La Pravatola. <clears throat> uh, DeJounte Murray, Jonathan Simmons, he's going to be a free agent also. Uh, who knows what he might command. Uh, and uh, Bertans, I, you know, I like that. They would be incredibly uh, energetic off the bench. I think you could run the beautiful game style type with those guys because I, they won't be afraid to make that extra pass. But as far as Kyle Anderson, you know, he's a nice guy. Remember, don't forget that. Uh, but I think he really reached his ceiling. If I were him, I would – you know, I, I get what he's trying to do. You know, he, he's really trying to play that point forward position at the three. If I'm him, if he wants to stay in the NBA, just gain weight, gain muscle. Uh, you're not going to get any quicker. But, I mean, with his point guard skills, he could be a really good four if he's strong enough to do it. Sort of like Diaw. And I think that, that that's where he's losing um, his perspective on this. He's trying to be a three, a point small forward when he should be a point power forward uh and really you know his speed wouldn't really matter because he can keep up with the bigger guys uh so 
uh, where does that leave him? If it was me, uh, I would just I, I would let him go or trade him. Uh, but he need, he needs to really find himself and, and not be content with really how he's playing right now. You know, um, I gave you some rebound numbers previously, and I want to go back to that real quick because the Spurs have always been a, a really good rebounding team, really good defensive team. If you look at the defensive rebound totals for this uh, this crew, we're we're leading the way with Pau Gasol at 6.4 defensive rebounds per game. LaMarcus, of course, is second, uh, right above Kawhi at 4.8, and then Kawhi at 4.7. Defensively, it just seems like they're missing that defensive star. Do you think that, you know, they're winning, right? And I don't want to look at the gift horse in the mouth. They're 22-5. They're, they're off to a fantastic start. Uh, but are they have they lost their edge defensively? I mean, it, with, without Tim Duncan, has that just changed them from a defensive perspective, especially in the post? Are you uh, is is are, are you sort of indirectly talking? Did you read that article about Kawhi about how he's so good defensively he makes the Spurs bad? Uh-uh. Did you read it? No, it was by CBS. Uh-uh. No, uh, some writer from CBS Sports. It, it was basically that. Uh, that he's so good that whoever he's guarding, they take him out of the offense, mm-hmm. and then everybody else tends to start scoring, uh, which makes sense. You know, a lot of Spurs fans got uh, insulted, I guess, by that title. You know, he may, whoever wrote it did, put that title so they could get clicks. I mean, you know, just, just admitting it. Um, but, I mean, that, that that's a valid point. Do I think they lost their defensive edge? No. Uh, when you see them defend, I mean, they, they're really uh, trying. The problem is now – to the point of that article, and also, um, if you go in uh, basketball breakdown, b-ball breakdown on Twitter, uh, they put up YouTube videos explaining certain situations. And I mean, they even talked about this. Uh, it's really getting to the point where the Spurs are coming in with a game plan. And and let's go back to that Chicago game because I, I think that's the easiest one to 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 break down. They had Kawhi on Jimmy Butler for obvious reasons. Why? Because, again, you know, Kawhi is their best defender. Jimmy Butler is their best offensive player. So, again, you're trying to neutralize it. And what do they do? They go through Dwayne Wade. They go through Rajon Rondo. Uh, Kawhi gets a little bit, you know, bored out there. So he tends to play off Jimmy Butler, play off Dwayne Wade uh, when they switch. And then, you know, they start scoring. Uh, they're, they're really making the top player that Kawhi is guarding, the decoy. Uh, I think they can easily fix those problems just by going with the Bruce Bowen uh, theory. I guess I don't know if you want to call it a theory. I call it that w- when I when I teach my kids, you know, uh, just so they don't think I'm coming up with crazy stuff. And that's putting uh, their defensive, their best defensive player on the other person's best offensive player to let your best offensive player rest. In this sense, I really think the only, the best way to fix that Spurs defense and and you know the problems that are go- going along with it is making Danny Green your Bruce Bowen. Put make Kawhi your your Manu Ginobili. Don't let Kawhi get too tired on the offensive end. Even though he might be your best defender, he's your best offensive player. And at the same time, you don't want Kawhi to be wearing out at the end of the season. So I I think that's the only really way, the best way to fix all those problems. Because again, when when you go in. Uh, again, that example with Jimmy Butler, the defense is focusing on Butler. Kawhi's focusing on him. The help's focusing on Butler. And then everybody else is just, you know, getting a free pass because the, the defense isn't prepared for that. When you move like a Danny Green to that to that spot, 
it'll help Kawhi play uh, as a help defender. It'll help him rest, and it'll help the defense stay on that one guy. Uh, because, again, if you move Kawhi to Rajon Rondo, Rondo's not going to really do anything. If you move him to Dwayne Wade uh, full-time, he's not really going to do anything. They're really still going to have to go through Butler. So the best way to, to – um, to really uh, keep up with that game plan and, and get better on defense, I think, is really to put Danny Green in that situation. I don't know if that made sense. No, it, it, it did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking – yeah, I mean it did. My my concerns are just in, in tracking pure numbers here. There's been a there's been a dip. There's been a significant dip. Um, I, I thought that's what we were going to get from LaMarcus – and I hate to just hone in on this one guy, but the underperformance, I think, is is evident. If they had a stopper there, um, and I don't know if we were de- – I was depending on him for, for that to fill in with those Duncan, uh, Tim Duncan shoes. It didn't really happen. And so I feel like while they're off to – I hate to be the negative guy here, but they're off to a great start. They're doing really well. Keep the momentum going. But I feel like they're going to get found out. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, to sort of – um. You know, stick of Rodgers in that sense. I mean, he's really a system player. You know, Tim Duncan was really never a system player. Even though they would put him in a system, he knows that if there was a weakness at this, you know, with his coverage in this one area, he would figure out how to, you know, how to patch it up, how to cover it. So, I, I mean, Duncan would think out of the box. And I think Aldridge is not that defensive-minded player. I think he's a really good defender, underrated in some areas. But he really relies on the system. And again, putting Kawhi on the best player and then Pop telling them, hey, you guys – in the paint, the big guys you go and help him if they get by him. I mean, that really leaves every that really leaves the weak side vulnerable. The the other side that he's not supposed to be uh, covering. Uh, so again, I, I think that'll help the big guys also because they're going to be focusing on the best players and really uh, Kawhi can really help out in that other sense because really Kawhi's like Duncan. If if you've seen him on the help defense, he's smart enough. He knows how far to play. He knows how long he can reach, and he knows when to commit to the help. Uh, he doesn't really leave his guy wide open with nobody else helping him. So uh, I really think that that's the best situation. If they go with something like that, I think you'll see improvements everywhere. Okay. Well, 22-5, and five, they're about 33% done with the season. So off to a great start. Um, you know, I'm sure can you they'll... tell that I'm trying to get a job at the, with the Spurs uh, coaching staff? <laughs> it, you know what? It sounds perfect. It sounds really, really great. I think you're a shoe-in. Uh, but let's talk about Tim Duncan. Um, 19 seasons in the NBA, all with the Spurs, obviously. Uh, five championships, two MVP seasons, 15 All-Star Appearances, 10 All-NBA First Team Awards, three Finals MVP, part uh, MVPs. He's part of the, the winningest threesome in NBA history. Uh, and his jersey went up into the rafters last night sitting right next to, to Bruce Bowen. And, you know, for some reason, it, when that jersey goes up there, it looked really out of place. I don't know if you got that, that feeling uh, as well. But, you know, you, you look up there and you see, like, David Robinson, and then you see – Tim Duncan, and then you see like Bruce Bowen as great as he was, um, and you see Avery Johnson as great as he was. I'm thinking two of those things are not like the others. There, what what are your impressions of Tim Duncan's jersey going up there into the rafters? And I don't know, it just seemed odd. Tim was so great that being there right next to Bruce Bowen, it just doesn't seem like it fits. Um, Do you know what I'm getting at? Do you know what I'm trying to say? You wanted him in the middle, basically, right? Well, it's like it, – well, it could be in the middle, but it's like if Tim is up there, equal stature with Bruce Bowen, is that right? You know – With Avery I, Johnson, is that – does that feel that's, right to you? 
You know, that's what I was thinking, and and I forgot who was the who, who said it. I, I don't know if it was Andre uh, Andrew Monaco or um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Yeah, oh, I never mind. <laughs> I, I I have it at the tip of my tongue. You know, it's not that I forgot. It's just for some reason I can't say it. Uh, Rick Renner. Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. Rick the hair. I don't Rick know. Renner. Yeah, I don't know which one of those two said it, but really they were talking about Avery Johnson and Bruce Bowen, and they were saying, you know, those guys were the glue. You know, they they really kept you know everything together. I would say yes to an extent because you know when you look at Bruce Bowen's career, and when I mean by career, not the stat sheets. I mean look at him play, look at the defensive, you know, everything he did on defense. He really elevated the big three because if you take Bruce Bowen out of there, and you know in '05 you start. Um, I, I forgot who the uh, who who was the one with the headband, Devin Brown. You know he got you know a oh lot of notoriety that, yeah, that yeah, year. Yeah, he uh, went to UTSA, right? Devin Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you start Manu Ginobili and then Devin Brown, or you start Brent Barry and Manu Ginobili. I mean, as good as those Spurs were, they I don't think they would win a championship. Or even if they did, I I don't think they would last. You know, at least a full season without getting some sort of injury. Uh, back in '07. Uh, if it wasn't Michael Finley and, and Bruce Bowen starting, would it be Michael Finley and Manu Ginobili? How would they have handled it? I think that the I think Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan are one of the greatest trios ever. I'm not putting them down, but the fact that Bruce Bowen took a lot of heat off of them, a lot of burden off of them, and real Tony Parker too, because Bruce Bowen would would switch on to Chris Paul and he switch on to Steve Nash. Uh, Bruce Bowen would switch on to Kobe Bryant and T Mac and Vince Carter. You know, I think he he really elevated their play to a super elite level. I think they would have still been elite without him, but they really made the big three who they were because you know it, it, he basically said, best player doesn't matter what position, I'll guard them. And and again in 2006, I mean Tim Duncan was hurt, uh, plantar fasciitis. They were playing the Dallas Mavericks. Who guarded Dirk Nowitzki? Bruce Bowen. So you know I I really think Bowen really kept that team into an elite level. I you know you take him out, you replace him with somebody else, a Raja Bell back then who was a defensive minded. I don't think it would have been the same team. So absolutely Bruce Bowen. Uh, Avery Johnson, I'll let you take that one because I, I I can't make that much of a case. Well, he was a little general, right? Well, you know. Okay, so you're a fan favorite. I guess I get that, and, and no doubt about Avery Johnson that way. But you know, one day, Tony Parker's you know jersey is going to be up there. And would you say that the the contribution <laughs> was equal? Do you, you know what I mean? And I know that's not what this is about. Uh, I don't want to get off a tangent, but you know, I look at Avery Johnson's commitment to the Spurs uh, versus a guy like David Robinson or Tim Duncan, you know, or Gilmore, or you know, and you look at this. And then uh, you string all those guys together, and it just you start seeing some stratification in the, you know, in, in the, the players that that have their names retired. And it it just putting Tim Duncan, one of the greatest players of all time, and then David Robinson, one of the greatest of all time, any um, any team, you know, up there, and with some of these other guys, it just it. it I'm not saying it diminishes Tim Duncan or it elevates those other guys. It just – that was one of the it's, first things that I noticed was, man, Tim Duncan's name on in a, in a Hall of Fame, retirement, um, you know, jersey retired for the Spurs, all those kind of things. Uh, I look at that and that really fits. It really sounds good. It's a great end of the story um, and it makes sense. And then I, you look immediately to his left and you see Bruce Bowen. I mean, dude, somebody else is wearing his number right now. Right. You know, it's like you and then you see Avery Johnson next to him. It just seems like some of these things just don't they don't add up anymore. 
Well, you know, the best way I, I like to sort of at least look into it or at least try to make sense of it is look at what they brought uh, to in in those during those teams in that era. Because, I mean, if you start comparing like Tony Parker and Avery Johnson, I mean, it's not really a fair contest there. But if you start comparing what Tony Parker has brought to the Spurs ever since uh, he's been here uh, or he's been there and, you know, uh, what they needed and really what, what how he was playing, like Ginobili. You know, uh, Ginobili probably wouldn't be retired with any other team or you know people talk about his hall of fame status should be should he be in the hall of fame but in san antonio you look at everything he's done the type of player he he was the type of player he can he still is um not only just player but you know outside of the court you know all these guys help out the community i think that plays a huge role with san antonio too because the team and the city are so close together but at the same time you know ginobili was also a player you know what did the spurs need well they needed him to come off the bench you know any other player would have probably said no but i think that also elevates what ginobili has done because he helped them and he helped bring what they needed even though it probably wasn't the best for him personally uh because he probably could have gotten 20 million you know somewhere else but you know i i just think it's the situation what do they bring uh, in that situation i love bruce you got you got to realize that i'm partial in this because i'm not a great basketball player i'm not even good offensively i'm streaky i'm a streaky shooter but i was always known for those corner threes uh, i would always relate to bowen bowen i'm five five but i was trying to be that defensive specialist because i couldn't be kobe or jordan so I, i'm kind of i'm kind of partial to bruce I, I love bruce i've never met bruce but i love the guy he's i'm sure he's a nice guy yeah i know it sounds like i'm trying to take something away from him maybe i am but I, it just look at a tim Duncan. it's like there's a there's even classes of and this is any sport probably right you get your name retired and you're you know consider that team's all-time great and there's a thousand reasons why you could be you know listed in, in a, you know a ring of honor or have your your jersey retired but then in the, even in that elite grouping of players which you think of how many players have have um, uh, have come through san antonio and there's only was there five up there six up there is that right? How many players are up there now? Uh, well, you just named them all. Uh, who was it? Gilmore, Gervin, um, Moore. That's uh-huh. three. Yep. Robinson, Johnson, five. Bruce and Tim, seven. Bruce, Tim. Yeah, around that's seven. That's such a small percentage, right? Uh, whatever it is. It's Sean Elliott, eight. Oh, Sean Elliott. So there's eight. So there's time. Yeah. How do we forget that guy? There's, um, there's eight. So it's such a small um, sample size, and even within that elite group, um, you you look at guys like David Robinson, Gervin, Duncan, and then they're the elites out of those eight. And then you look at those three, and they're still Tim Duncan is still the, the top. It just it's just odd to see his name in equal status with the rest of those guys. Well, I'm getting this from you, but there's one guy who I I don't think he's going to get his number retired. But I really think he should uh, because he was talked about possibly being the, the MVP in 05. He was – I, I think he really, again, like Bruce, elevated the Spurs. He really changed the way how they, were, how they would play. I think Robert Ory yep. should get his number retired <laughs> in San Antonio. Well, that's what I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to – yes, things like that. his name came up too. I, I totally agree with you. If you think of if, – if Avery Johnson got his number retired, right, and then you want to talk about contribution to winning. Right and and winning in the playoffs and this is a championship team. It's been that way for a decade and a half, right? Well, yeah. longer than that, two decades, right? As long as Tim's been there, um, the people who have 
who have directly impacted the future of that team. You're right, Robert Orr is there. I mean, he's there just like Sean Elliott's there. I mean, if you start thinking about Avery Johnson and, and say, okay, what was his direct contribution to winning? Well, then you start putting in people like um, uh, Mario Elliott. Right, you start putting in guys like that. It just seems very. I mean, not in the Hall of Fame, but you say contribution to winning. They're they were both on that team. They both did some stuff. You and, and you know, yeah. And, and one of the thing, one of the reasons why I think it really bumped up Avery. He hit a shot, right? He hit the. He, what did he do? Did he clinch the championship on that um on that, baseline? Yeah, yes, on the long two. Yes. Well, well or he hit the game winning three right in game six. Uh, right. Was it game five? I right. think. Yeah. So. Uh, th- that's what I think should be the criteria on that. The guys that made you special and the guys that helped you win. I mean, as much as I loved Brent Berry, because again, he was that versatile. He could play one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. He could do a lot of things. He wasn't really a direct contributor to a championship. He helped make them solid, but he wasn't that big of a contributor. Again, Bruce Bowen, all those championships, he got Kobe. He would guard Kobe numerous times. He would guard all those guys. Uh, switch on, you know, different fellas. So uh, I think he played a direct role in that. Ori, I think he played a direct role in that. Uh, and again, you know, the part that you mentioned that they really changed the future of it. Ori made coach made Coach Pop's job so much easier that again Pop tried to duplicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, who did he bring in to sort of fill that Ori role? Matt Bonner. Mm-hmm. They would try to run that same stuff, and of course, you know, you can't really replace Ori. Go watch his that stuff during his first tenure. I mean, he did the little stuff that we're missing right now. So, you know, it, guys like that, I think, should get their number retired. Even though it might, the guys might come in and want to take their number. I think that's. I, I really don't pay attention to that. I think you could have two number sixes retired or two twenty-one. No, not even twenty-one. I think that would be sacrilege in San Antonio, right? Before I get the hate tweets, but you know, uh, maybe a uh, twelve retired three number 12s i think that's okay because i think each one had their story so i you know i i personally don't mind that i think you know the guys that helped the spurs win the, those championships should uh really uh play that role you know i know uh, it's not a robert Ory segment but that guy he has no jersey retired anywhere except alabama the right. lakers should get get off their butts and really i mean if they're i i love Shaq. i you know personally as a player most dominant center of all time mm-hmm. kobe was great but if it was not for Robert Ory to stretch that floor, we wouldn't or hit that game-winning shot against the Kings. Right. They, they, we would not be talking about a three-peat for the Lakers. So absolutely, everywhere he went, I think he should get his jersey retired. Well, you know, in Houston, they were trying to get rid of him as soon as he was there, right? For Sean Elliott, actually. So you know, they're they're kind of linked. But you know, he <coughs> was a star on that team. Was there? He was there. Kawhi Leonard, right? Just explosive. Could shoot. Could D a little bit. Uh, he was there. He was there, Kawhi, uh, at that time, and then so wins a couple of titles there. Goes out to LA, wins three titles there. Comes to San Antonio, wins two titles there. The dude's just a winner. Got more titles than anybody else in the modern era. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. Have this turn into Robert Ory segment. This was supposed to be a Tim Duncan thing. So uh, yes, Robert Ory too should get up there in the rafters. But you know, Tim Duncan had a great you know uh, great speech last night. I can't believe he was wearing a sport coat. Uh, that was that you know that's a pretty amazing <laughs> amazing thing and he was he was animated more than I thought he would he would ever be more than I could imagine you see Popovich choking back tears um, just an amazing uh, amazing ceremony amazing night and it would have been so cool to have been inside of the arena but I was in San Antonio last night and I was stub hubbing it and it's four fifty to basically touch the ceiling in that place four hundred fifty bucks so uh, that was a little bit out of the uh, the old budget but. Uh, looked like an amazing 
uh, night. What, what were your takeaways from the from the speech and the whole presentation? Uh, the presentation I thought was. I, I think if it was anybody else in, in any other team, I think they would have gone over, you know, overdone it. But I think for Duncan, this was perfect. It was just guys talking about, you know, who he was, who he is, uh, you know, what he brought to the court, how he impacted, you know, their their lives. I think it was really a, you know, a ceremony meant for Tim Duncan. If it was for LeBron, I think people would say, well, you could have done more for him. You know, it was same thing with Kobe, but with with Tim Duncan, I think it was perfect. The one thing I got out of that, you know, uh, and if you notice this, when Parker talked, when uh, Ginobili talked, when Parker, uh, when uh, Pop talked, uh, and also his uh, his high school coach uh, or his uh, college coach, they all talked about the same thing. <laughs> they they didn't bring up points, they didn't bring up rebounds or records or anything. They talked about what kind of person he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the is, humbleness that, that, that he, that he, Still with well, us. I mean, on the court, on the court, you know, <laughs> right. uh, but you know, it, it really gets you to think how much of, of really the roles that the family plays, because again, that, you know, everything they talked about goes back to his parents. You know, they brought him up a certain way, respectful way, listening. And I mean, he, he would still voice his opinions, but I mean, he wouldn't get in coaches faces and all that. I mean, he, he really has that, uh, had that hunger to learn as a player. And, and, you know, for anybody who listened that, you know, if you have kids who play basketball or if you're a basketball player or you're a coach, that's who you want to have on your team, a Tim Duncan. You know, uh, and, and again, it, that's that trickle-down parenting that, again, that that's what made Tim Duncan special. If, if you didn't have that that uh, childhood or, or, you know, that if he didn't have – if he wasn't uh, – parented the way that his parents you know brought him up he wouldn't be that player and it really uh it, it felt great when pop said uh you know because it was a promise that he made to his dad right where uh his, his father tim duncan's father uh told him you know when he's done with all this i want him to be the same man he is right now and pop you know said he lived yeah. up to that promise you know that i mean it, that that's that's the one thing that makes the spurs special out of any other organization, they treat each other like family, uh, and they treat each other in a special way. Uh, so, I mean, that's when when you see teams and you see rumors that you know this team wants to be like the Spurs and so forth. It's not the coaching style. It's not who they want to bring in. That's what every team, every organization, should strive to be: uh, to be that family oriented, caring about everybody. Uh, and again, th- that best player on the team being wanting to wanting to be treated like any other player. I mean, that just makes everything so special. There's not going to be another Tim Duncan, and that's the only depressing part about that. But, I mean, we should be glad that we had the opportunity to see that, to live through that, and, be, and I mean, be a part of that special era. Well, there is absolutely nothing I can add to that. That was great, Jose. Um, you yeah. can talk about Robert Ory. <laughs> no, I mean, there's nothing else to say. It's just uh, an amazing night for, for a guy who's meant so much, not just to – um, to that particular team, but uh, what he's meant to the area because that team means so much uh, to San Antonio. And, you know, the characteristics of San Antonio, very family-oriented, really, you know, that that's, is what influenced the Spurs to be that way too. But it would not have come to pass if it wasn't for a player like uh, Tim Duncan who would take, would, would you know, 
he would take the coaching from Popovich, as as you mentioned, and that example uh, allowed guys like Tony Parker, um, who's you know a phenom in his own right, been playing professional basketball since like 15 years old, right? So he was a phenom. All those other guys who think of all the players that Stephen Jackson was a part of this team, man. <laughs> you know, uh, you know Michael Finley, who was a star during his time there in Dallas. Bill, he was a part of the team. You have all of these guys that come in. Robert Ory won multiple championships. And they see that Tim Duncan takes the coaching, that he buys into what Popovich says. Tim Duncan's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest at any position of all time, but certainly the best power forward of all time. Uh, and he's doing whatever this coach tells him to do and is hustling and, and all of those things. And he doesn't have to, but he is. And they feed off of that. And that's how you get that team game to uh, to really come to uh, come to the forefront and, and how the Spurs style of, of play has resulted in in five titles and you know they've competed for for several others so uh, and they're they're seemingly always in the running for twenty years they've been in the running so I think it's just a, a, a you know an amazing night uh, but it really it, it bookends that career uh, and you know now it's <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't over before, it's it's definitely you know moving forward. Um, you know, Tim Duncan's in the rearview mirror for San Antonio, and that just feels very strange. So, uh, with that, let's 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 close it out. That's it for uh, for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make to, sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG Twenty Twenty Three uh, and me Ryan MC underscore PS or any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Jose, thank you, and to you listeners, you are welcome. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.